Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Great. All right. Thank you. You can be seated. It's really important that we don't um, stop interceding on behalf of our province. Really, really important. Sometimes we think that they're just words, but words are powerful. And um, yeah, today I just want, we're going to talk a little bit about thankfulness because it's Thanksgiving. And we're going to talk about uh, starting a new series on uh, the names that God has a name, so on the names of God. And, um, and I think that in, in just preparing, considering a January series called um, Wisdom for Life, at probably one of the easiest and most profound life hacks that you will ever learn is simply that about being grateful. It's such, it's such a powerful, it's, it seems so simple, and many times the simple things are the most powerful things. And to just practice gratitude. And um, so it's part of the thing that I'd like to say, first of all, thank, thank you for coming. Um, happy Thanksgiving. And, um, and I, I continue to discover the power of gratitude. And, um, and I've also noticed one of the things that I've seen over and over again is uh, anything that is, that is good, any quality that's good is a Christian virtue or value. You, you, you could have a look at it yourself and observe people. When you see a good quality in someone, you go, um, wow, what is that? That's a Christian value. The, the difference is when we come to Christ, he gives us the grace to actually walk in that consistently. Some people are just, I mean, they're just some great people in the world. And uh, they've learned some things about how do we have a good life. You want, I could increase anybody's uh, marriage satisfaction by simply this, learn to be thankful. Just learn to be, th- and, and, and gratitude when it's not expressed is kind of useless. You might be grateful for your spouse, but if you don't say it, she doesn't know it or he doesn't know it. I've been, I've been guilty of doing this sometimes when uh, Kelly, Kelly is a very thankful person. She says, thank you a lot. She's, she's, the, she's truly Canadian, very polite. <laughs> and she'll say thank you uh, just intuitively. Uh, but there are some times when she seems to forget to, and I'll just go like this. Yeah, you're welcome. You ever done that before? That's terrible. That's just sneaky and bad. Um, but some of you have big grins on your face have done that. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Um, but when you think of things that are attractive and good and admirable and honorable and right and excellent and praiseworthy, think on those things and do those things. Um, <clears throat> just try it. I honestly think that you'll notice uh, the difference. My, my grandmother used to have, um, she used to say, when I'd go to visit her, she'd say, well, Lorne, it's my praise day, so I'm just thankful for everything today. And uh, I've never had like a praise day specifically, but there's something profound and mysteriously, mysterious that takes place. Psalms 22 says that God actually inhabits 
praise. I'd like to know how that works. I'm not sure how that works, but it says it works, that he'll inhabit our grateful hearts and the atmosphere around us when we do that. <clears throat> Here's my question to you all this morning. How thankful are you out of 10? And would your spouse say, give the same number? How thankful are you? 11. He's cheeky. Out of 10? You know, how thankful are you? <clears throat> I'm a, I want to talk about Thanksgiving, and I'll, I'm going to use the text, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, because we are segueing into a series on God has a name. And um, um, it says, whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is an interesting passage for me. And it's a good segue because we're talking about the names of God. Don't just, give, don't just be thankful. Be thankful in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that's not his first and last name. I, I, I've been known on a, on a construction site. No, I'm not going to say that. Uh, <clears throat> Known to have mentioned, because some people think, well, Jesus Christ, was that his, is that his first and last name? But Christos is, means the anointed one. So, so it says, don't be thankful. But, and of course, Paul is such an interesting character. And I think when I get to meet him one day, this little guy, biographers would say he was short, would have had glasses because he couldn't see that well. Did they have glasses? They must have. Um, Bow-legged. But he was unstoppable because he was so thankful. And he's this crazy. He even gave thanks for his chains. He would say he's thankful for these chains because it gave him a connection to tell the guards about Jesus. He's just such a profound little guy. He, he was a big-hearted guy. But he said... That in, in physically, if you've seen him physically, he was that, um, I, I can't remember the word, but he was unimpressive physically, something like that. But he didn't come uh, to be physically impressive. He came with a demonstration of power. And I'll tell you, the power of Thanksgiving, it's so huge. It's so huge. And he, was, he, would, he would say, actually, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, that in all things, even when, what, even when I'm in prison, apparently, because he was in prison when he wrote it. In all things, give thanks. You wonder what the will of the Lord is for you? In all things, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. This is the will for, for God in your life. Be thankful. How thankful are you? Uh, it's, it's so easy to talk about this. This is so difficult to function in day after day after day after day. I find out how impatient I am with things and people and certain models of vehicles. Um, the, the, um, whatever you do. He would say in Ephesians 5, verse 20, give thanks always for everything. And, um, and I think that for many of us, maybe you've noticed this, that gratitude is not, uh, is, is not a natural instinct. Have, have any parents noticed that you've had to remind your kids to say please and thank you? Have you noticed that? It's not, it's not natural. It's not, it's not natural. So anyway, I want to I just say that, uh, talk about what happens and um, when we're thankful, and then I want to segue into some of the beginning of the names of God. One of the things I've tried to practice on a regular basis is waking up thankful. 
just the first words that come to my mind, and then the, it begins with, uh, with gratitude. And um, recently, I've tried to go to sleep with the same, uh, the same way. St. Ignatius would say, he, he would use the examine prayer, and at the end of the day, he would look back, uh, and, and he would do this throughout the day. He would say, do it five times a day. Look back on your day and say, where was God in your life throughout the day? And at the end of the day, and then be thankful. Corrie Boom would take uh, compliments that were given to her, and she'd wrap them up like uh, a, a bouquet, and she'd give them to the Lord at the end of the day. The, 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 honestly, the practice of gratitude, it, while it sounds somewhat pedestrian, and yeah, 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 we know that, the question is, are you practicing it? Because I believe it's transformative in our life. Before you, the, before, before you make a, a response, wonder if you could just take a second and say, okay, I wonder if I could just be thankful for something in this moment. Consider it. I think it's, I think it's very, very powerful. Give thanks always for everything. And, um, and I am trying to be, and I put it in my daytime each week, what am I thankful for? I'm trying to be compulsively, intuitively, pathologically grateful. And I think that it's one of the great keys of life. You probably would nod, yeah, yeah, it's probably pr pretty important. The question for me, for you today, is how can we just raise our gratitude a couple of notches? If you, if you try it, honestly, if you were to, uh, wherever you go tomorrow, just do a 24-hour test on this. And, uh, and, and understand the emotive power of words. That person in the grocery store that's just been, you know, they're at their end of their shift, they're kind of played out, just lean over, smile, and say, thank you. And you want to find out what happens. What they'll do is they may even start a conversation with you because people are attracted to gratitude. You're attracted to gratitude. This is one of the great ways that wives can respect their husbands. Just be thankful. First thing, when he comes in the door, instead of saying, take out the garbage, saying, I'm so thankful that you have worked so hard today. He will just like get down on his hands and knees and lick your feet. No, he won't, but I'm just trying to keep, keep you going there. Honestly, one of the ways to respect somebody, just say thank you. Uh, you, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a powerful practice, and it's a purifier in our life. And um, I'm not sure exactly uh, how it works, but I know it's, it's supernaturally impa impacted my prayer life. Um, I've noticed when I listen to my kids pray, they begin by saying thank you. And um, I listen to people as they pray. Um, but it's a purifier for our attitudes and for our hearts. And I think that gratitude is one of those secret little secret agents that if we could learn to master gratitude, our lives would improve. That's, that's what I think. And I'm going to give you science on it in just a minute. Who narrates your world? You do. Who tells the story about what's going on in your world? You do. You, you do. You create it. Um, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell him what you need and thank him for all he has done. M many times when we come to the Lord in the spirit of petition, when we ask, we're asking for things, what if you could just thank him for all the things that he's already done? See, like the old hymn we used to say, count your blessings, name them one by one, and I'll surprise you what the Lord has done. <laughs> so just taking a moment in your prayer time, and or in your meditation time. And thanking the Lord. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. 
he, he would say, tell him what you need, but also thank him for all that he has done. Um, the devout Jews used to do what's called um, a thing called 18 benedictions. And three times a day, they would thank the Lord for 18 things. This is an interesting practice. Um, those of you who know uh, Anne Voskamp, she wrote a book on a thousand gifts that, that came out of a very difficult time in her life when she was focusing on all the losses that she'd had. And she couldn't get past it. And someone challenged her, well, think of a thousand things to thank God for. That, that same person came back and asked, seen her later, and she said, you've changed. Ah, oh, it's the list, isn't it? She wrote out a thousand things that she was thankful for, and you know what happened? It changed her countenance. You, you, this, this doesn't sound super spiritual. I just want to say it is. <laughs> it's super, super spiritual, and it's a command. Um, I, so, so 18 benedictions. And, and I have found that this works 100% of the time. There was a, um, um, a Lisa Turkist was reading a story to her daughter about a nun. And uh, as she was telling her about uh, this nun's life, um, she mentioned about a habit. And she looked up, tapped her mom on the shoulder and look, looked up at her and she said, Mom, what's a habit? And her mom looked down at her and said, it's something you put on. Colossians says that we're to put on the new man. We're to put it on. We take off the old man and we put on the new man. The picture of baptism is just that, that the old man has died and the new man is now rising up. That's the picture. Did you know that research would tell us that at least 45% of the things that you do in a day are all habit? 45%. We just do them instinctively. We just get up in the morning. Every morning when I get up, I have a half, a half a teaspoon of cayenne pepper with lemon juice. Every morning. <laughs> it just works. Um, Half a teaspoon of cayenne pepper, lemon juice. I don't even think about it. I get up, there it is, cayenne pepper sitting there. Sometimes I take three quarters. Kelly knows when that happens. <sighs> so I do. I, 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 uh, first, the first, the, sorry, sorry, the first thing I do is make coffee. Second thing I do is have cayenne and, and lemon juice. Uh, it would interest you to know that I have, use the same cup of coffee every morning. Sometimes Kelly, if she gets up before me, she'll put out a, a cup, and I'll go, that's not my coffee pop. That's like a teacup or something. <laughs> Interesting. What, 45% of the things that we do, some of you go to the gym. <laughs> Forgot this morning, that's been 47 years now. <laughs> Going to the gym doesn't make you stronger. It makes you sore. I know. <laughs> I went once. But apparently, if you go consistently, it makes you strong. Not once. When it becomes a habit, when you put on the habit, when you clothe yourself, you become what you clothe yourself in. It's a, it's a, it's a significant thing. Harvard um, um, researchers found that uh, people who would take uh, five minutes, to, no, three minutes to be thankful for five things at the same time every day, 
their, their happiness increased and their depression decreased just by being thankful. That's science. Sounds simple. It's powerful. Try it. You'll like it. 45%. Um, it's for, we put it on. Something you put on. It's like a rhythm in our day. It's like, the ha it's like our habits are small gears that leverage life. And they reveal, they reveal a few things. They do reveal our dreams. They do reveal our hopes. But they also reveal our addictions and our wounds. Change the, change the habit. The Benedictine nuns, uh, nuns and monks would memorize 150 psalms for prayer. So that, that's all of them. <laughs> but surprisingly, having memorized them, you'll note that how many have thanksgiving in them. And even if David would begin a psalm by saying, like, go kill all my enemies and crush their teeth, but I thank you, O oh God, that you're good. He would, he would get to thanksgiving. And so the, these monks, one of them, and I wrote his name on my other notes that I left at home, but uh, he, his name was, I think, David. Let's go with David. His name was David. He said, it's not joy that makes us grateful as Benedictine monks, monks but it's gratitude that makes us joyful. Um, the, these monks with vows of chastity and poverty were some of the happiest people on earth because they were grateful. Uh, the MRI tests show that, that when we're grateful, it lights up the pleasure centers in our brain. The, there is an equally negative force on the earth. It's called entitlement. Entitlement kills gratitude. That sense and that spirit of being owed something and being deserving of something and demanding your rights for something. Entitlement will kill gratitude. It's a, it's a, it's a seriously negative force. Um, I'm very thankful that God reveals himself. And where it says in verse 17, of whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do, that kind of means everything, even what you say. Uh, in everything, in, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do in the name. It's interesting, the early translators uh, stopped putting in the names of God. And they just, because it was too sacred, and they, they had a phrase that was just called the name. It's kind of interesting to me. How do you, how do you give thanks in the name? Has, has anybody ever thought about how us, um, you know, evangelicals, how we include hashtag in the name of Jesus, kind of for good luck at the end of our prayers. Anybody ever just kind of tack that on? Why would we say in the name of Jesus, if it's his name, why don't we just say Jesus? Instead of in the name of, well, just say, if it's his name, say Jesus. But we're to do it in the name. Am I right? Kind of mysterious, isn't it? Anybody ever prayed in the name? What's it, what's it mean to pray in the name rather than just praying the name? I'm glad you asked. Uh, John 17, verse 27 says, I, had made no, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. Well, what's the big deal? I've, ma I've, I've made, so G told them about Jesus. What's the big deal about Jesus? Now that they know his name. Is there any power? I, found, I got a letter the other day of someone that, oh, um, well, it's a long story, but anyway, his name was Jesus. Jesus Rodriguez. And um, 
So what's the thing about the name? Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about the name of Jesus. Do, do you notice how, how often we sing about the different names of Jesus? Did you know you did that this morning? You called him promise keeper, way maker, light in the darkness. Who are we talking about? So, so we, use name, we use descriptions, not just of who he is, but what he does. So, so uh, it's interesting to me, because I think that one of these days, uh, I'm going to meet him. could be very soon. And I'm not going to know him just because of his name. I'm going to know him for who he is. Some think he's a warmonger. Spending too much time in the Old Testament. But he's the same. It's the same God. This blows people's minds. Something happened. He got all happy and wrote the New Testament or something. And, um, you know, we wonder about that. that. That God has a name means that he's got specific personality, certain emotions, certain characteristics, and certain ambitions for you. Do you know him as a light in the darkness? Somebody, when things are dark and you're uncertain of where to go, that he's actually showed you the way? If not, it's just a nice song for you. So it's not about just knowing the name. It's knowing the qualities about who he is. Uh, my last count, I have over 400 names of Jesus from the New Testament. We, we will have all of eternity discover what he's really, really like. But more than just... Jesus, the Savior. Jesus, the crucified one. More than that. He's so much more than that. Bill Gaither would sing a song. There's something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like a fragrance after the rain. Something about that name. It's, it, there's, there's no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. But it's just a name. It's more than just a name. It's the name. Do you know the name or do you know the person? Because the explosive idea really is that he wants to have a relationship with you and I. And we're careful about who we spend time with, am I right? We're careful. But this one, who we can get to know on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis, it's more than just a name. Be careful of the religious notion that you know the name. And you have a, in your head, and, and, and we'll study some of the names. You may actually be, get and understand some of the names. That's, that, that exercise can't be academic. It has to touch our hearts. It has to move into an experience. The name. It's interesting to me that, how we use the name. But here's what you need to remember about the name. Name equals nature. When we're talking about the name of Jesus, we're talking about the nature of Jesus. And he's unchangeable, which means if any changing has to get done, guess who changes? It's not him. We're told in James that there's not even a shadow of turning in him. If there was light, he doesn't even budge. He doesn't even move so you can see a shadow. There's no shadow of turning. He's so consistent. He's so predictable. Something God's unpredictable. He's so predictable. You never have to worry about when you come before his throne how you can come. You can come boldly. Because he doesn't have bad days. 
Boy, I hope I catch him on a good day. No, that's a judge. <clears throat> a name both distinguishes people as well as links them to heritage. In the Bible, the name describes the essential nature and character. Um, it's a little bit like a title, a little bit like a title. Some people, I, someone met me the other day, um, the people are negotiating on the land over uh, to the east of us here, and they said, what should we call you? They said, are you, are, are you the minister? Yeah, what should we call you? So I thought it was interesting. Because to, to some people, I am pastor. But that's a title. In the, New, in, the, in the Old Testament, they would use a term for Lord, Adonai. But it was a title. But So you can call him Lord, which many times you look through Scripture, and it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This, that's Adonai. But it's a title. Uh, what would it be like if you consistently called your wife the wife? It's not that endearing. No, I know. My, my, I, I've seen on my son's phone, wifey. But they get that. It's a term of endearment for them. That's okay. But if you were to say the wife, Brent, how, it's, it's not that intimate a term, right? Be, because actually the interesting thing, in the New Testament, they would call it kyrios, and it was actually a term meant lordship. And it was only reserved for Caesar. Caesar had different names, right? It would be Caesar, Augustus. It was Augustus who was the Lord. So you can, do you know him as the Lord? <laughs> as Adonai. That's one, one of the names of God. But it's actually a title. It's not a term of endearment. One of the first names that were in Genesis chapter 1, he's called Elohim. God has a name. Elohim is the first name that's seen. And in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. That's in, in the first, um, in chapter 1 of Genesis, that term is used 32 times. Remarkable. It's not that endearing a term. It means creator. In the beginning, God created. Hey, have you ever needed a creative miracle? You can pray in the name of Elohim. Some of the names of God are not only the ways that we get to know him and relate to him, they're, they're what, the ways that we uh, interact with him. It's a, it's a way of getting to know him. And for some of us, we need him to innovate and be an entrepreneur and help lead us into creativity. Some of you are artists. And you may know him as the creative one, Elohim. It's not that endearing a term. It's a function that he, he, who he is and who he does, what he does. Um, for us, many times, your name uh, is connected to your heritage. Uh, if your, your last name means that you're connected to a family line. In the Bible, it wasn't like that. One of the first mandates of Adam was to name. And he didn't name them English names, the animals. Did you know that? I know that's a big surprise for many of you. <clears throat> he didn't call white-tailed deer white-tailed deer. And he probably didn't call them ungulates, which is their name. A, a moose is an ungulate. An elk is an ungulate. It's just about hunting season. This, I'm not getting that to that. I'm just saying that what did he name them? He would, name, he would have named the animals after what they were like. The, the, the snake was probably the slithering one. I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. But the, what, to name somebody was so powerful. And when somebody's name was changed in the Bible, it's because they'd had an experience. And now they were no longer just Abram, but it was Abraham. 
the father of many. Not just father, but father of many. And when God interacts with you and I and we have an experience with him, he actually, I think, we get, we get addressed a little differently. When I became a husband, I was addressed a little differently by Kelly. I mean, not really, but you know what I mean? It's like a, maybe that's not that good of an example, but, <clears throat> but, but what we call somebody actually indicates the type of relationship we have with them. Am I right? My kids can call me dad. Not everybody can. I mean, it gets a, that's weird, right? But they can, quite, because it, it actually indicates relationship. So if somebody were to ask them, what's your dad like? And they were to answer, oh, he's dad. Well, that doesn't say much about me, does it? Other than I was probably present at conception or something. That's all, right? It doesn't. By the way, we welcome a new baby to the world. <laughs> and I can't. <clears throat> Don't ask me to pronounce the name. <clears throat> okay. But, it, but, but, but you, know, the, you know, in the Jewish culture, they would often name their kids after, uh, they would be prophetic. This is, this is Jacob the lawyer. As he was young, they were speaking into him, destiny. Because name means nature. Name has to do with destiny. Um, so, how it, so I'm just saying that God has a name, but in the name, it implies more than just the person. It actually implies nature, characteristics, and personality. And he cannot function outside of who he is. This is, this is, this is really, really, really good news to us. It's really important because as a covenant-keeping God, Many times what he'd do is he'd reveal himself and then he would reveal his name in that, in that interaction. I, I, I discovered that uh, this one that the Bible calls Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. I got to know him when I got healed by him. Before it, it was just a name. And, and for some of you that pray the compound names of God, that in this interaction that you have with him, actually, his nature gets imparted to us when, when, we're, when we're interacting based on his name. What's in a name? Nature is in his name. Um, so, <clears throat> all right. It, um, um, Elohim, creator. And, uh, and, and Elohim actually was probably what Jesus was saying on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lamai sabachthani, that Aramaic term, on the cross, my God, my God. It was, a, it was a form of Elohim. Uh, later, he would be called Yahweh. Which, and, and, and that came from when Moses had the interaction with him on the mountain. And he, says, um, he said, uh, who, do, who, should people, who do I tell people sent me? He said, oh, I am that I am. Which means, which is a wonderfully comforting term. Because it means not only was I the God of your dad and his dad, and his dad. I'm the one who was, who is, and who always will be. I am the Alpha, and I'm the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, and everything in between. I'm not like the, the Egyptian gods that have moments, but I am, and always have been, and I always will be. It was a very comforting term. Um, the purpose of a name was to reveal what's, what he's like. Uh, if, if, if someone were to ask my kids, What's your dad like? And they say, oh, he's my dad. That's, that's actually not very helpful for them. And if he would say, oh, he's Lorne, 
Douglas Cabot. That's still not very helpful. No, but how do you know, how do, and here's what my, our, my kids, I'm just using them as an example because there's a few in the room, but it'd be the same with you. Uh, your parents, you may know them by name, but you got to know them by experience. We had some friends over the other night and I said, tell me what your grandparents were like. Oh, they were generous. How did you know that? By experience. See, so when we talk about the names of God, we're talking about ones we can, the, the one we can have experience with on all of these different levels. And so hopefully as you get to be around people and that relationship grows, you learn new qualities about them. Am I right? That's, that's what it means to know the names of God. It's to have new encounters and new experiences with him. Okay, and, and then in the New Testament, and then, yeah, okay. Uh, many people know my name, but they don't know me. They know my title, Pastor Lauren, but what's he like? To know my name by whatever description is only a name. So then how is there power in just a name? We're going to discover that. Psalm 124 says, our help is in the name of the Lord. Is it just a name? No, it's in the nature of who God is. We prayed in pre-service prayer because church starts at 8.30 on Sunday mornings. Psalm 91. And in Psalm 91 that was read, it says, Be, uh, I will protect him because he knows my name. What does that mean? That means a, a, something more than just a name. <laughs> it means it's his nature. <clears throat> Proverbs 118 verse 10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's, but it, it implies his nature. There's salvation in that name. There's deliverance in that name. And next, over the next few weeks, we'll go from Elohim to Abba, and we'll discover more of the names of God, the nature of God, and the experiences that we can have with him. Let me wrap up. We get to know God by experiencing him. I love that Jesus, one of the names of Jesus, when you read through the New Testament, is the son of David. I, th I, I just find that. Why? Because, because there's certain times when you need the warrior king to show up. The son of David. The, the, the one who's had a heart after God. Uh, I, I found uh, when I was reading that in Luke chapter 1 uh, and verse 33. That the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. Don't skip over those little things. Because this is part of who God is. He's king. Uh, I, I love that. Um, 15 times the term son of David is, is used. It, it would imply the, the awaited king. It would imply the descendant, the seed, and the one who holds the keys of David. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to invite the band to come back. I want to pray for some people this morning because there's some of you here that need to know the God of peace. The, the prince of peace. Once you experience him, and an experience of the peace of God, it'll pass your understanding because it's an encounter with the one who is peace. The shalom of God, this peace, uh, will transcend your ability to comprehend or even describe it. And for some of us, we need an experience of God's peace. In Hosea, I came across one name. He said, you will call me husband. What an interesting phrase. But in the New Testament, God wasn't ashamed to call him the bridegroom. And, and, and John would say, uh, in describing who he was, I'm a friend of the bridegroom. What he was saying is, I'm the best man. 
Now, how interesting. Why? John was the one who put his head against the chest of Jesus. See, the, the experience that you may have had already, I just thank the Lord for that. Thank you, Jesus, for the experience. I'm just here to say that there's an unlimited amount of experiences ahead for all of us as we discover who he is. Not just what he has done, but he has yet to do. I want to... Um, this was, this was so clear for me this morning to pray for peace for people. Um, I'm not praying for a deposit that kind of mysteriously floats down from the sky and uh, boom, everything changes. I'm praying today that within you, you would have an encounter with the Prince of Peace who will keep your compass steady. And my hunch is that there are some who have been anxious uh, that's not a prophetic statement. It comes from the newspaper. So much anxiety and emotional um, um, challenge that people are facing right now. Uh, most Sunday mornings we'll pray that God would reveal himself as Savior. And um, maybe, maybe you need that experience this morning as well. But I, wanna, I want to pray that you would experience the Prince of Peace. I love in Romans where it says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Why? Because the mighty one, this prince lives within you. If you've accepted him into your life, that's accessible for you at any moment, any time, any day. If you're anxious before and you're not sleeping well, if you start thinking about the future and, you're, and a little bit, your stomach gets a little bit tight, um, we're told that somewhere between 60 and 80% of all disorders are related to stress because our digestion system quits working, gets tight. And so if that's you, I want to pray for you. I'm going to have them pull the lights down. Um, I want to pray for people that need to experience supernatural peace this morning. Uh, this will, will and can affect you on a physiological level. You may actually feel it. For others, you may just find, man, last night I slept like a teenager. It might just be in your rest. You might, you might know that you go about the day and you find, wow, I'm no longer nervous. I'm no longer anxious. I'm no longer fretty. If you, if you want the peace of God to now just be released within your heart, I want you to stand up, please, so I can pray for you. You're experiencing anxiety, unrest. I'll pray for you where you're standing. Excellent. Yeah. Holy Spirit, I'm just so grateful. Can some of you just when you stood up began to feel better? No, but Jesus, I thank you today that you are not uh, just someone out there, but you're someone right here. You're within these ones. God, I thank you that you want to reveal yourself as the Prince, uh, the God of peace. Lord, today in the name of Jesus, I command all anxiety to be silenced, any fear of the future to be shut off and cut off. I command all uh, attachments that have affected people physically because of a lack of peace would stop right now, that, that all blood pressure would normalize, uh, that blood flow would increase and move, that the life of God moving through you right now, that on a cellular level you would experience supernatural peace, contentment. God, today I declare your peace in your people. Spirit of God, I release today over men and women right here. 
the lifting off of all burdens off of their shoulders, off of their face, off of their futures. Father, we call forth your great quality of supernatural peace. Where, where am I going to, how am I going to be provided for tomorrow? Doesn't matter today. What matters today is you know his peace. God, your provision is in your peace. Thank you that when we have peace, we hear your voice. We know what to do, and we know where to place our feet. So, Father, all over this room right here, we declare the supernatural peace of God. Let the shalom of the Most High God be released in these hearts and minds. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Everybody standing, let me pray over everyone here today. Father, I thank you that you're coming to us not just as a way maker, not just as a peacekeeper, but you're coming to us as Lord and Master and King. And we command all lesser gods, all small G's, to fall at our feet right now. And we declare your Lordship over our destiny, over our future, and over our families. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You can be seated. Just going to wrap up with a... Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.